Just stop it. The run of the mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women who go through hell to achieve their goals. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. Sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. This is Disruption Interruption. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we are here today to talk with someone who has taken the reins of their industry horse and steered it off the lame, tired path to venture into unexplored territory that has kicked the dust up on the status quo. Today's guest heads a nationwide training organization for truckers, which has trained more than 150,000 graduates with over 16 training locations nationwide. They have a national reputation for training practices to be the most hands-on and safety-focused training in the country. Live from St. Petersburg, Florida, president of Roadmaster Driver School, Brad Ball. Thank you, KJ. Thanks for Welcome, having me. Welcome, Brad. Appreciate it. Do I have that right? You guys are over 16 training locations. We're actually at 16 right now. We're going to be adding more by the end of the year. We're, we should be at 19 locations by the end of the year. Okay, 19 locations. So tell me, the first question is, Thor's Hammer. People want to know, what is your top ingredient for disruption? Uh, I would say uh, accessibility. We, we, um, we find ways to make sure that our program is accessible to just about anyone that wants the opportunity to get into the trucking business. And that accessibility comes with a lot of different ingredients that, that make that happen, depending on which way you look at it. What are the other ingredients that go along with that, that make it so important? Well, um, people need to be able to find us and, uh, people, uh, that are unemployed or underemployed need to find a way to pay for it. And there's all kinds of different paths to pay for it. There's people that'll pay for it for you, or you can find a way to pay for it yourself. And we make that an easy path to figure out. So that's another piece. And then, um, accessibility to really top grade equipment and the ability to learn on the same type of equipment that you're actually going to work on once you graduate. Uh, so it's a combination of, um, easy, you know, accessibility to a top quality safety focused program, uh, and the ability to actually, uh, pay for it or, or, you know, access uh, the tuition in some way. So that brings me back to like, what's the status quo of the trucking industry? Because I think we have this viewpoint as a society that's decades old, right? And COVID, I know, has changed it even rapidly. You've kind of, it's kind of time warp things. But tell me what the status quo is with uh, truck driving, truck driver training. Right. Well, so you, you kind of started out with the question of the, the, um, the, I don't know, the, uh, image of truck driving. I mean, I, I think some people still have that smoking the bandit opinion of what a truck driver is, and that certainly has come a long way and changed quite a bit. Um, you know, the, uh, the older white gentleman truck driver is, is rapidly retiring now. 
And, uh, this is becoming much more of an industry of, uh, you know, increasingly appreciated by minorities and, uh, by uh, females they are all getting into trucking now and, and it's accessible again, that accessibility, um, uh, is there again. So what you, what happened with COVID is it's actually right before that in 2020, there was a, uh, a big change in supply and demand for drivers. At the beginning of 2020, there was the drug and alcohol clearinghouse, and uh, that started a database collecting data about uh, people that failed a drug, uh, an alcohol exam. Uh, it, there was once a time that those people could essentially fail an exam, leave one company, and they could go work for another company. The database did not allow that to happen starting in 2020. Wow. Um, the right type of people were essentially eliminated from the supply. Those people can re-enter as long as they go through a special program, um, but they're going to have to be able to do that. Uh, right after that occurred, uh, COVID hit. COVID created all sorts of issues. Um, not only did uh, schools uh, become unable to produce the supply they once were because of social distancing and uh, reduced class sizes, things like that, some schools actually in some states had to close down because those governors were extremely conservative in the way they managed COVID. Um, so the supply shrunk. Um, in addition, the existing driver force started shrinking because drivers started retiring. Um, and because they didn't want to be on the road during COVID visiting, you know, terminals and restaurants and things like that. So people that were close to retirement, uh, started retiring early. And then, uh, finally. The economy changed quite a bit uh, with stimulus checks and uh, with people staying home, all of a sudden e-commerce started booming. And with e-commerce, it increased the need for less than truckload type uh, loads. It actually increased the amount of shopping that occurred at home. It increased the old need for uh, shipments. It's so, true. Uh, there was a, um, a, a big change in supply and demand. And suddenly here we are in 2021, COVID actually came back again. So uh, we didn't get to come up for air and, um, it's hard to fill the, the, uh, hole or it's hard to replace the lost sleep that we, that we got in 2020. Um, so here we are still with one of the highest, uh, times ever for demand for drivers. Yeah. So you have this huge demand in e-commerce that is, I don't know, is it tripled, quadrupled, tenfold? I don't know what it is. But then you have this supply of drivers that right. has drastically shrunk, right? I mean, how many drivers would you say there's a shortage of at any, like, any given time? It's hard to say at any moment. You can get those statistics from the American Trucking Association. I believe we were at 60,000 drivers short pre-COVID. Um, and I know that they've estimated that in, you know, in the next several years, we may be as high as 250,000 drivers short. Where we are exactly today, I, I don't, I don't know, but I know that it's, I know that it's extremely short, just simply uh, by the fact that the number of phone calls we get from carriers trying to hire our drivers um, is higher than it's ever been. Wow, so they're really having trouble filling this, and you have schools that close down, and um, I would imagine it's probably really expensive to get the top grade equipment to really train the drivers safely and properly. It is. And, uh, you know, 
going back in our history, there was once a time that Roadmaster um, was a privately held company and, and uh, we sold the company to Warner Enterprises uh, back in 2014. And um, as a result, uh, a great benefit was the accessibility to um, uh, the modern equipment that we have today. Um, there, there's uh, really no other truck driving school group that I know of that has equipment that is just a couple of years old. Um, and uh, that gives our students the opportunity to really learn on the exact same equipment they'll be driving when they graduate, which is a great benefit. That is, and this modern equipment, does this have anything to do with improving the accessibility? Because you said a lot of um, minorities and females are now coming into the industry. Does it make it easier to drive? Uh, well, the, the, the trucks are certainly uh, more maneuverable. Uh, they have a lot of safety features that they never had before, like lane, de lane departure war warnings, automatic emergency braking systems. Uh, they're more comfortable. The seats are highly adjustable, so even... A fairly small frame person can uh, adjust that seat so that they can uh, access the pedals and the uh, the height and the steering wheel. Everything can be adjusted. Um, it's surprising how small a person can actually drive a tractor trailer today. Uh, that may not have been as true uh, previously. Um, but also the comfort factor. Uh, these trucks are extremely comfortable nowadays. The trucks that that you'll go to work in when you graduate are like a small apartment. Uh, they've got a refrigerator, you know, they can have a microwave. Um, they have uh, comfortable bedding, uh, air conditioning, Wi-Fi. When you go to a truck stop, the, the truck stops are, are better and more convenient than they ever were. And I'm not trying to uh, um, say that this isn't a difficult uh, career, um, but these things make it a little easier. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah I'm on the road. It's, a, it's like a tiny little RV. It, it is like a tiny little RV. And like I said, uh, you know, our, uh, our population of students has become so much more diverse. And I think that that, uh, that does attract more people as, you know, the trucks are better looking and more comfortable and, and much safer than they ever have been before. Yeah. And what, what is attracting these diverse segments of the population to trucking? today? Well, I think probably the biggest thing is, uh, you know, we can take people that are unemployed or underemployed, uh, really regardless of your education status and, uh, introduce a career opportunity where there is no pay gap tied to race or gender. So, uh, essentially the, the opportunity is there for anyone that walks in our door, uh, regardless of, of what your background is or your education history, because, um, this industry is not looking for degrees. This is an industry that is looking for people that are, have a great desire to work and, uh, are, are looking for an opportunity to improve their life, you know? So, uh, it's really accessible again to just about every aspect of society. It's really a vocation. Oh, vocation is. training is really needs to get more popular these days because not everybody's set out for college, right? But that's absolutely true. And if you look at uh, placement rates of people that go off and get a degree versus placement rates of, uh, vocational education. I think you'll find that, uh, many of the people that go off and seek a vocation are actually working in that vocation and making good money in those vocations. And I'm not just talking about trucking. We're talking about, you know, plumbing and welding and, uh, you know, HVAC. HVAC yes. There's all kinds of great opportunities in the vocational fields. 
Yes, it's it doesn't true. take four years to get there either. No. In our cases, it takes about four weeks. It takes four weeks to be able to learn to drive a truck. That's right. And so you have these diverse segments of the population that are coming in, right? Underemployed, unemployed. A lot of them have been displaced from COVID, from what I understand, right? Industries that are like, haven't been doing as well. I mean, the entertainment industry was one of them that got hard, really hit hard, right? You name it. You can walk onto a, a Roadmaster campus and talk to the students that are on, on the pad learning how to drive a truck and um, you'll, you can run the gamut. I mean, there's, there's police officers that just, you know, they were a police officer for 20 years and they said, I, you know, I did that, I'm done with that. I'm now going to seek a new career, you know, maybe with a little less stress. I didn't know that. I can, just, I can run my truck and be on the road and see the country. Uh, maybe even travel a little bit with my truck, you know, and, and, uh, we have chefs that um, lost their job during COVID because their restaurant closed down for good. We have restaurant owners that ran their own restaurant, uh, for years and, and then they just lost it. Um, but yeah, people in hospitality, unfortunately, were probably the hardest hit during COVID. And we saw an awful lot of those people that just decided that they thought their hospitality was going to be their life. But when it got taken away because of a pandemic, uh, then they realized this, this is not me. I want to be in something that is recession proof, pandemic proof. And that's what they find in trucking. Recession proof and pandemic proof. Right. And I know you've had some guys that have been in oil and gas. Um, cause you opened some schools up in Texas and I know there were some, uh, you know, guys in the oil and gas industry that. Yeah. Fracking is not easy. And uh, a lot of those plus fracking ebbs and flows with the prices of fuel. Right. And, uh, so you can make a lot of money when, when, um, fracking is in great demand and then all of a sudden it can shut down overnight. And that's, that's what a lot of uh, people saw. And not, not only that is, is fracking requires getting dirty and, and, uh, you know, moving a lot of sometimes difficult equipment, uh, or driving the same route of a sand truck back and forth or water trucks. Um, and it's hard work, uh, pays well when it pays well, but then sometimes you can wake up and it's gone the next day. So we've seen a lot of those people visit us at our Dallas and our San Antonio facilities. Um, and then some of our other areas up in, uh, Bethlehem PA, uh, that, uh, you know, they've just found that they want to drive a nice air conditioned truck and, uh, you know, not have to worry about, you know, sweating it out, uh, out in the desert or on a fracking field, you know, no more feast or famine, right? Right. Tell me about women, because you said even the tiniest person can drive these trucks. And I've seen some of the women that drive trucks and they're petite. That's right. Tell, yeah, and why do they like this? This is actually pretty cool. Well, like I said, it's the same thing, not just for women, but there's just a lot of people that feel like the um, traditional educational opportunity college route isn't for them. And, uh, and I just spoke to a, uh, a female that was in our Dunn, North Carolina facility the other day, and she was a tiny thing. And, uh, her dad was a trucker and her grandfather was a trucker, trucker runs, trucking runs in her family. And she says, if they can do it, I can do it. And I've met similar females at many of our schools, uh, that, that say, uh, when they first walk onto our campus and the other guys on campus say, Whoa, I don't know about this. We've got a female that wants to drive a truck. And then they jump up in that truck and they handle it 
a lot of times better than the men do. Um, and if you ask our instructors, uh, they'll tell you that once a female gets it, they got it. You know, they, it, it, it just clicks on like a light bulb and they learn how to back up that truck and, and they get it very quickly. So, uh, there's also statistics if you ask the trucking industry that females, uh, you know, may actually make a safer driver. So, uh, I'm not going to get into that too much, but, uh, I believe that the statistics may be out there. The old jokes about women drivers really don't apply here, right? I don't think so. But also, you, you know, there's plenty of opportunities in trucking where, you know, your size doesn't matter as long as you're able to drive the truck. There's a lot of opportunities in what's called no touch freight. You don't have to get out of the truck, uh, you know, except for, you know, some paperwork. Um, you, you're not jumping in the back and loading and unloading. Uh, so unless you want to, there's opportunities where you can do that as well. And, and, uh, pay, uh, really relates to the type of position and the amount of driving you're doing and home time and all kinds of different things. So you got to decide what's right for you. But certainly size should not be a factor that, uh, determines whether you want to become a truck driver. So when people come to uh, Roadmaster, do they even understand all the different types of trucking jobs there are, like you just mentioned? Some do, uh, but um, our admissions advisors coach people through that. And then we have placement specialists that work with everybody, even before you start school, to talk through what all the various opportunities are, uh, depending on where you live and what you're looking for. Um, we have virtually every potential opportunity. If you want a job in trucking, there is a job for you. Uh, we just need to find out what it is exactly you're looking for. Um, whether that's a combination of home time, touch freight, no touch freight. Uh, do you want to, you know, uh, run a dedicated route or a long haul route where you can make a lot of money? Uh, you know, do you want to team with another driver? Like, do you want to have a husband and wife that are switching off driving the truck? They can make a lot of money though, you know, and that's a, that's a common thing where uh, literally a husband and wife retire for whatever, from whatever they were doing before. And they decide to go out on the road together. Uh, friends can go out as teams as well. So, and sometimes people want a team. They don't have exactly an idea of who they want to team with, but the trucking company can help figure that out. They can look at your personality, whether you're a smoker, non-smoker, what kind of music you like, and actually pair you up with another driver. And then that will enable you and that driver to make very good money going over. So this industry really has evolved. You have emissions that have almost like this behavioral science where you can like pair people up and, you know, help people find uh, routes and jobs that really are geared towards what they like, what they dislike, what they need and want. I didn't, I didn't really know that it had that. Absolutely. Yeah. That, well, I mean, it's evolved into that, uh, you know, and it needed to. Um, the trucking industry needs the drivers. So the trucking industry has had to make all kinds of changes to make sure that they can, you know, be, become attractive to, uh, every age and every ethnicity and, uh, male and female. So they've actually uh, been able to do that, uh, to a great extent. Uh, if you're a female and you want to become a truck driver, they will team you up with a trainer when you graduate. That is also a female. That's what you'd like. Um, so. So you have enough females in the industry where you can do that? Yes, there are enough females Thanks. now that they can give you a female trainer when you graduate. Uh, because when you graduate, you don't immediately get handed the keys to a truck. You actually need to go uh, to the carrier that you're going to go to work for. Okay. And they go, okay, let's let's put you into a truck with a, with a trainer for a few more weeks. Uh, it depends on the carrier and the 
the route you're going into, it may be from two to six, even eight weeks. Uh, but you're making money during that period of time. As soon as you cross over the graduate line and, and head to your carrier, you can start making money while you're training. Wow. They'll, they'll team you up with the right person that shows you how to do it. Wow. It's like a whole nother subculture. Yep. Sure. So you have this shortage of truck drivers and you have this large potential of, of shortage, right? Up to 250K maybe in the future, right? And you've been adding schools while others have closed down. What are you guys doing that's innovative that increases this accessibility? Because that's the biggest issue here, right? Adding schools is, is one of the biggest things that we're doing. And, we're, you know, that's probably the, the uh, our focus right now is getting a school closer to very smaller populations of, of people. Um, we do have hotels associated with every one of our locations. So you can travel to one of our schools. But uh, in addition, we also want to get a school closer to you. So uh, we're doing our best to expand. Uh, we're on the, the biggest growth path that we've ever been on before. Um, and it's challenging to do so quickly. And, and I'd like to give credit to our operations team for, for really pulling it off. But um, the idea is we're creating schools that no matter which roadmaster you go to, you'll get the same quality and safety-focused education regardless of where you show up. And you're going to see the exact same thing. When you walk in the door, uh, you're going to see the same colors and carpet and, and everything is cookie cutter and every single program is the same. So you're going to learn how to drive the same in Florida as you will in, uh, in Bethlehem, PA or in California. For the most part, we're teaching you how to be a safe professional truck driver. That's really stabilizing. Well, I hope so. Well, it is. You know, you know, when you go somewhere, you're going to get like standard training, right? It's really good for your brand. Right. I mean, anywhere you go in McDonald's, I hate to like refer it to McDonald's, but anywhere you go in the world in McDonald's, it's going to be the same, right? Right. That's really important when we're talking about safety sure. driving. Hmm? That's our goal. Exactly. So you said you were going into areas that um, really had a need for drivers. How do you pick those areas? Well, we start with conversations with the carriers that uh, we work with, not only our pad company, Warner Enterprises, but. We have several other companies that, uh, that hire uh, the bulk of our drivers. Uh, we want to know where they need the drivers the most. Uh, and we want to know where um, there's pockets of areas of, uh, of people that need jobs. So we're going to be looking at demographics and we're going to be listening to our carriers and uh, we're going to try to determine where the next best place for a Roadmaster driver school is. Uh, you know, how many other truck driving schools are in the area? You know, those types of questions are things that we need to look at when we, when we determine where we're going to go. You've had some, lots of like welcoming arms with cities that you've gone into that have really been hit by COVID, right? You've had a lot of elected officials, um, business leaders and so forth, really welcoming you in because you're giving them opportunities. Well, their constituents and community members opportunities that they didn't have elsewhere, right? Absolutely. Many of these um, legislators, many of these of people who are actually, you know, they're politicians, but in the end, they're trying to make their communities better and that they know that a big talking point is jobs, jobs, jobs. So when Roadmaster comes to town, um, usually they're welcoming arms because they know that what we're bringing to their town are jobs. And, and these are jobs of a truck driver. That means and that person may get out on the road and drive 
you know, many states away, but they come home and they sleep back in that same town and pay taxes back in that town. Uh, and they know that uh, we are increasing the salary or the pay level of those of those people that, that live there. And that's a good thing. So it's no a great thing to welcome us. Yeah. And some of these people have never made that kind of money before, right? Or, there's no doubt. There, there is no faster road to success for people that are on our campuses. And, um, and you really can understand it when you, when you see a student graduate, tears in their eyes, you know, hugging the people on our campus, the people that got them trained, but also the people that enrolled them in school. Um, these people are truly come to, coming to us that you've either not been working or they've been working in a job underpaid for such a long time, living paycheck to paycheck, um, that now they realize they're going to actually be able to take care of themselves and or their families uh, in a way they never have been before. Uh, you know, we're talking about uh, going from underemployed and underemployed to a starting pay on average about $50,000. But in many areas, people are starting out making 70, 60 and $70,000 within the first couple of years. So um, it's truly uh, uh, such a dramatic increase in income. Uh, and it's, it's a change of life. We're truly changing lives is what we often say. Wow. How do they, you know, most people don't know this. I don't know of, of other vocations. Maybe I just don't know this can actually place people in um, places where they're going to get work afterwards. Right. And, and But they also get, have the opportunity to pay back these. Uh, are they a student loan? Like, right. So that's the question is, you know, if you're going to go to college and you're going to have many tens of thousands of dollars in student loan debt, are you really going to be making um, a, a great income uh, enough to be able to pay that back in a very short period of time? In our case, um, and that's one of the accessibility options that we, that Roadmaster was very good at early on in, in our history, was developing financing options for those students that can't access uh, VA funding or workforce funding or any of the other options that are out there. Uh, and those options are out there, but if you can't, uh, we also offer in-house financing uh, for those that qualify. And, um, and we know that people have bumps and bruises in their credit and we have ways to get around that. Uh, we have ways to provide financing opportunities. One of the best parts about financing is the carriers that hire from Roadmaster pay tuition reimbursement. They actually pay the loan payment for you. So you actually never have to make a loan payment as long as you're working for that carrier. Wow. So um, essentially, uh, you could have very little out-of-pocket, finance your tuition, go to work for a carrier, and years later, uh, your loan is completely paid off and you're making good money and uh, you're off to the races. So uh, that's, that's probably one of, one of the biggest benefits that Roadmaster can offer is the ability to offer that to anyone. Yeah, the runway is much shorter. Right. Right? Yeah. And when you have a really long runway and then you have a really long time and a big bill to pay back, your right. chances for success is much lower. That's exactly right. In our case, uh, most people can have their loan paid off in just a few years uh, as long as they stay with the carrier they go to work for. Uh, the nice thing about Roadmaster, though, is we offer choice, a freedom of choice. We're not locking you into an employment contract. Uh, you can go to work where you want to go to work. Uh, and, and, uh, and when you get there, um, you're not required to stay there, which happens with some companies out there. They lock you into an employment contract and that's Roadmaster is a school choice. Wow. And 
what, what, what challenges are you facing now? Like, it seems to me like you have a lot of people knocking at your door, right? Wanting to be trained. But what are the biggest challenges that you face? Uh, well, one big challenge in the industry is that people have to be 21 before they actually start the school. Um, and that's difficult because that means they have an opportunity to go out and make mistakes before they're 21. And in this industry, um, your driving record and your criminal background is your resume, uh, in the trucking industry. It's a drug free industry. And we're generally looking for people that have pretty good driving records and, uh, and, and clean criminal backgrounds. That doesn't mean you can't have a bump and a bruise here and there, but for the most part, we're looking for quality people that need a leg up, need a better opportunity. Um, so that's probably a biggest challenge is if you have a lot of no ability to get into trucking until you're 21, that's an opportunity, you know, the, the old phrase, idle hands, that type of thing. Yeah. But it also gives people an opportunity to go out and fail at other things. You know, uh, we would like the opportunity to train people younger than 21. And there is uh, several industry initiatives to pilot that type of thing in a very safe and controlled manner. And I believe that, um, to help offset that potential pending 250,000 driver shortage, uh, lowering the driving age may be a step in that right direction. Do you think that that will come in the next five years? I mean, I know there's been a lot of controversy about that, but a lot of people are advocating for younger drivers. Yeah. And it, it, believe me, I can remember meetings that I was attending 10 years ago talking about piloting the under 21 uh, initiative. Um, I believe we're closer to it than we've ever been before. I believe that uh, now we are piloting it and getting some data. And I think that's, what's going to allow the industry to take the next step is getting some safety data. And, uh, so we'll see where this goes. I think that we still have a long way to go with regard to pilot programs so that we can open it up for more potential, uh, students, uh, in order to gather enough data to really make this happen. But that'd be a really big, like big talent pool. That's a huge employee pool, right? Exactly. Of younger students. And then. So say that happens, do you think, uh, I think there are a few schools that already have like driver training programs or things like that as a vocation, right? In high school? Um, there is a, there is a, uh, some new initiatives to train people in a transportation career where as a senior, you can graduate and, and get a, um, CDL license training. But, uh, the problem with that is the current, um, law only allows you to drive a state within state line, drive a truck within state lines. So that really limits the career opportunities for someone that's under 21. And that's, that's where hopefully we can make some change in the legislation. Yeah, that would be great. What do you think the future of trucking looks like? What does um, it look like in the next 10 years? Um, I would say, uh, there's going to be enhanced, uh, safety features on trucks. Uh, much like cars, where trucks are going to be, uh, cars are going to become much easier and much, uh, much more automated to drive. Those automation features are already being built into trucks. Um, the next 10 years, uh, there's something pending that's very soon and it's probably going to have the biggest impact on the truck driver training industry. And that's actually happening in February of 2022. And it's called the entry level driver training. 
Uh, and, and what that is, is it's a new set of curriculum and requirements that truck driving schools have to meet. They have to actually uh, register on something called the training provider registry. And uh, that uh, makes you essentially officially able to train people uh, for their CDL uh, license. Um, and starting in February, um, the, you cannot test for a CDL unless that training came from someone on that training provider registry. What that will do to the industry is potentially shut down uh, truck driving schools that don't currently meet ELDT requirements or are not willing to start meeting those ELDT requirements. Um, what it also might do is affect some employers that are currently doing their own training. Mm. Also, employers have to register for the, the training provider registry. So it may be that uh, more and more employers will start doing that type of training with truck driving schools like Roadmaster uh, instead of doing that training in their own warehouses and in their parking lots. Interesting. Yeah. So tell me more about the industry, about why they're instituting this in February. Oh, this is, uh, this is something that goes back over 20 years. Uh, it's something that uh, was, was mandated. Uh, they, the government had to come up with uh, a program um, and they, uh, it took them a long time to come up with the rule. And uh, finally, that rule uh, was finalized a couple of years ago. It was supposed to uh, be put in, but uh, there was a delay in implementation. Uh, and currently, the, uh, the date that the FMCSA, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, is uh, telling everyone it's really going to happen. It's February, 2022. So you guys had, to, so how many years ago you guys have been trying to come up uh, with this rule? Well, over 20 years. Okay. Discussion of uh, a new curriculum. Wow. That's Standard a big conundrum. For truck but driving. This, this has everything to do with safety of driving, right? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I take it that Roadmaster is ahead of the curve on this. Without a doubt, uh, we are preparing now and we will be in the training provider registry and our whole program will be ELT, ELDT compliant prior to February, 2020. Got it. What do you guys do? I know you have a process and like you said, everywhere you go, it's got the same carpet and this and that, that also goes for your training, right? What? Well, yeah, that's what key, I meant. It's all the same. It's all the same. What are the key components that are really important of safety training when you're driving? I said it was all the same. The only difference is there's a couple of states that have minor differences where they require some night driving time and things like that. So where that occurs, um, we have some differences. Um, key components of safety. Uh, part of the biggest benefit that we had when, when Warner purchased Roadmaster was it really improved the communication between us and Carrie. And uh, Warner started spending a lot of time uh, on, at Roadmaster and vice versa. We started spending a lot more time at Warner, uh, really understanding, are we training people to pass the CDL exam or are we training people to become safe professional truck drivers? And of course we chose the latter and, uh, doing all the right things to make someone a safe driver, uh, is what was very important to Warner. And, uh, and that's what Roadmaster, um, uh, you know, basically became was, was more of a trainer of uh, say professional truck drivers than just a CDL prep type uh, pro. You guys are really changing the uh, best practices of the industry. Right. Yeah. How did you get into this? 
How did you start? Yeah. How did you start doing this? Did you always have like, I want to make things accessible to people? Did you fall into it? No, I, I, I was a uh, consultant for a, a firm in Chicago for a while. I was living out of a suitcase for about a year doing uh, financial analysis of companies across the country. I got tired of, um, of the travel and I uh, moved back here to St. Petersburg and bumped into uh, a bunch of guys that were starting this truck driving school in Tampa. And uh, a few years later, I was uh, working with them, building our initial student financing programs. So uh, that's how we got started. So you're the key, you're one of the key innovators of that. I will not take credit for that. <laughs> there was way more innovators, smarter people than me that, that started this company and got it to where it is today. Got it. So you just sort of fell into it, right? Yeah. But you're a big believer in it because you... You travel all over, I know, to the school openings and so forth, and you see people's lives that are changed. Like, tell me a story of something that you recall that really impacted you. Um, well, I, I would say probably one of the most recent, I actually already mentioned them, was the, the, uh, the chef that owned his own restaurants, I think in New York City, or it might have been near New Jersey, but he had owned restaurants for years, and he really believed that that was going to be his life. And, uh, and he, and I think, uh, I as well, were both a little tearful while he was explaining the story, because, um, this is really something that, that reached into his heart, you know, giving that up was giving up a dream for him. However, in telling the story as he was in his third week of training prior to testing out, he said, I've got a new dream and I've got a new passion and this is it. And. He thanked me and thanked us for giving him the opportunity to do that. And uh, I believe it was at that same school that I met the police officer that I had discussed that uh, had been in the business for 20 years, a police officer for 20 years. And it was going through the time when, uh, not long ago, when uh, there was a difference of opinion as to whether police uh, should uh, be defunded. And uh, he uh, felt an extreme amount of disrespect uh, and didn't feel like being on the streets anymore uh, because he felt that it was dangerous and he wanted to change. Uh, he came to truck driving and he's looking forward to, like I said, being in an air-conditioned truck and enjoying life on the road and not having that, that stressful worry of you know, whether or not he's going to be able to come home every night. Those are real stories. Yeah. Those are real American stories. You know, I bet you one day uh, the trucking industry will be one of the most diverse industries in America. Well, it's certainly one of the largest uh, industries in, in America. I don't think people know that. Oh, gosh. You know what's nice about uh, becoming a truck driver? You can choose to become a truck driver and have a wonderful career as a driver. Uh, but a lot of students come to us because they want a stepping stone in the entire world of transportation. Uh, so you can become a driver and a great driver and live your whole life as a driver. Uh, or you can come in, become a driver. I'll become a trainer from there, uh, maybe become a recruiter, uh, maybe move into one of these corporate offices of a trucking company, become uh, ultimately an, an executive. There's all kinds of directions that you can go in, in the transportation industry. You can become one of our instructors here at Roadmaster. We, we, we're always looking for quality instructors. And, uh, that, uh, that is probably one of the biggest things that people don't understand about transportation is it's, it's a it's an entire world of opportunity. 
and becoming a truck driver is just one step in that direction. You're right. It is. It is an entire world of opportunity. Lots of ancillary jobs and executive jobs and other jobs that are open to people. People just don't know it. Right. So, Brian, what do you like to do outside of trucking? What are your crazy passions? Uh, let's see. I've got a family behind me, three boys, uh, and, and a beautiful wife. So, um, taking care of, of them is probably my <laughs> first and foremost, um, passion. That's a full-time job. And either with them or without them, my second passion is getting in the boat and, uh, enjoying time on the water, uh, whether it be fishing or just, uh, visiting with friends, you know, um, uh, I, that's where, uh, that's where my peace and happiness is outside of work. Yeah. Do you go on any like crazy fishing excursion? I have, uh, from time to time, you know, uh, got away and, and, and caught some big fish. Uh, but right here in St. Petersburg, uh, we're fortunate enough to have, uh, really good fishing, you know, right outside of our door, uh, for the most part. So, um, I'm from St. Petersburg and, uh, grew up fishing. So that's pretty much what I like to do when I'm not, uh, taking care of truck driving schools. And as, as a boater, uh, are you always like fixing your boat? Well, <laughs> no, what the, the word boat really stands for is break out another thousand. No, most <laughs> boat owners. And then the other phrase is the happiest day of boating is when the day you get your boat, the day you get ready. <laughs> but the answer is yes. Most of the time, if I'm not enjoying the boat, we are fixing. Got it. You know, I um, have been deep sea fishing a few times, right? And the last time I went, I caught a barracuda. Okay. A big old barracuda. I was the only one on the whole boat, men and women, that caught like the the big barracuda, right? That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Well, well you're not too far away from us. So uh, if you want to go fishing, you just got to let me know. I'm always okay. using the I would love to. Boat in the water. I would love to. What's your that favorite type of fish to? So, uh, in fact, it's just getting ready to start here in the fall is, is the, there's a spring and a fall run of kingfish. So it's the king mackerel. Those are the big ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> Lots of teeth. It looks like a barracuda, in fact. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they, they come through, uh, September, October, November, uh, in this area. And then again, uh, March, April. And, uh, and that's a lot of fun to catch. It's the most stress. And, uh, and it's really exciting. So do you throw them back after you catch them? Like, is it, it depends. Like, on, you, you can eat them. Uh, they're really good smoked. Um, but, um, so we usually keep a couple, but, um, I mean, how much smoked fish do you really need? Uh, you get some fish <laughs> bread with it and piece of people. <laughs> well, so if you live in Florida, you love fish bread. So, oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I got an amazing fish bread recipe. So Ooh. we, there's nothing better than uh, watching football on Sunday, smoking fish on the back porch, you know, whipping up some fish bread, feeding it to your friends. Yeah, you're a true Floridian for yep. sure. <laughs> so how do people get a hold of you? How do they get a hold of Roadmaster? How do they enroll in your truck driving school? Yep. Tell me everything. The easiest way where you can get to all the other ways to get a hold of us is roadmaster.com. Um, and from there, you'll be able to find your way to Twitter, Roadmaster CDL, at Roadmaster CDL, uh, on LinkedIn. Our phone number is 1-800-831-1300. 
but all of that information is available on roadmaster.com. And that's certainly the, the simplest way to, uh, to find us. And that's also back to the original question of accessibility. One of the early things that Roadmaster did was really hit the, the internet hard and put all of our information on our website. So if you want to know anything about truck driving, go to roadmaster.com, read our blogs, everything you want to know about how to become a truck driver or the trucking industry is right there on our website. Okay. That's awesome. Brad, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. This was that's super cool. informative. I liked it. Yes. So listen, guys, that's it. If you learned something today or if you like fish bread, tell somebody about this podcast. And thank you for listening to the Disruption Interruption podcast, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society, with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal, healthcare, or financial advice, or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal situation or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Johto PR and the user.